Hi, this is Timothy Pig, and I want to welcome you to Text Driven Podcast, a podcast put out by the Ministry of Fellowship Church in Southwest Florida. Text Driven Podcast exists to equip you to know God and make Him known through text driven preaching and practice. To learn more about Fellowship Church, visit our website, fellowshipchurch.co. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of the Text Driven Podcast. We're trying to provide you with resources to help you to live a text-driven life. And we're in the middle of a series right now entitled Doctrinally Faithful. And we have looked at what is doctrine. We've also talked about the topic of a doctrinal triage, a, a way in which to classify doctrine well. And in this episode, we're going to address the topic of guarding doctrine. Now, every house with a front door has a lock on it. The lock is not meant to keep the family inside. Instead, that lock is to keep unwanted and uninvited guests out. The lock on the front door of every house is the home's security system. The world that we live in is dangerous. Senselessness and sin is at a premium today in our society. And in some manner, we would say that it is foolish for a homeowner to own a house that does not have a lock on the front door. So you could say it like this. Having a home security is essential to owning a home. If home security is essential for the safety of your family, then should there not be security on other matters of importance? As Christians, we need to realize that the same sinfulness that is pervasive in our society, which necessitates at the very minimum a lock on our front door is also pervasive in every area of our lives. That even includes our spiritual lives. One area in particular that needs security is our Christian doctrine. And scripture is clear that Satan works to destroy the Christian faith through distorting Christian doctrine. Satan would love to destroy your faith by perverting and twisting the truth of Scripture. And we have an obligation as believers to know Christian doctrine, but also we have an obligation as believers to defend Christian doctrine from these attacks of the enemy. In this episode, we're going to see the admonition that God gives to Christians, to, to you and me, to guard doctrine. Also, we're going to see one of the great threats to Christian doctrine. You'll probably be surprised by the end of this episode to learn that this threat that we're going to discuss does not come as an unwanted or uninvited guest from the outside of the church. This particular threat that we're going to discuss comes from 
inside the church. And not only does it come from inside the church, but this threat can come from anyone inside the church. That includes you and it includes me. So let's dive in. God calls us to guard doctrine. Scripture teaches that Christians are to guard doctrine. The world that we live in is inundated with attacks upon the truthfulness, the veracity of Scripture. Skeptics are everywhere trying to undermine the truth. If not careful, many weak Christians will be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, as Paul teaches in Ephesians 4, 14. Paul admonishes Timothy, his very son in the faith, and the pastor of the church in Ephesus, to guard the deposit entrusted to you. He says this in 1 Timothy 6, verse 20. Therefore, to help Christians know their faith and not be swayed from Orthodox Christianity, it becomes increasingly important to guard doctrine. I'd put it this way. If you want to be doctrinally faithful, then you must faithfully guard doctrine. Now listen to that again. If you want to be doctrinally faithful, then you must be faithful to guard doctrine. The term guard that Paul uses in 1 Timothy 6.20 is quite a vivid term. The term has a rich history of usage even in Greek culture. First, the term was used during the time period of Aristotle to speak of the responsibility of a watchman in a city. The watchman was tasked with the responsibility of staying alert throughout the night and watching for potential threats to the town. That watchman had to stay deliberately alert in order to protect the citizens of a city from invasion. He did not just have to be physically awake, but he needed to be deliberately alert. His eyes scanning the territory all around, looking for that potential threat. In essence, you could say that the watchman was the first line of defense for a city, for he was responsible for the safety of every citizen. Second, the term guard is used in the Gospels to describe one's adherence to the law. For instance, in Mark chapter 10, verse 20, the rich young ruler says that he has kept the law. The ruler had guarded his actions in such a manner as to follow the law. The idea that the gospel writer is communicating to us is that we must be mindful or alert to the keeping of the law. We must 
guard the law with our actions, guard doctrine with our behavior. But third, the term guard is used in the epistles to speak of living by faith and guarding against teachings that are threats to the faith. Since the opening pages of Scripture, we really need to understand this. There has been an all-out attack that has been facilitated by Satan against the authority of Scripture. This attack began all the way back in the fall narrative of Genesis 3. When Satan asked Eve the question, Did God actually say? The intent of this question was not for Satan's good. He was not seeking clarification so that he might understand more clearly the word of God. Instead, the question was designed to strike doubt into the mind of Eve by enticing her to question the authority of God's word. It's because of threats to God's authority, that scripture needs to be guarded if the church is going to remain doctrinally faithful. I want us to look at some of the verses found in the epistles that encourage us to guard doctrine. We've already shared this one, but let me share it with you one more time. 1 Timothy 6 verse 20. Paul writes to Timothy, his son in the faith and pastor of the church of Ephesus. He says this, O Timothy, guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge. Paul again says to Timothy in 2 Timothy 1 verse 14, By the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. John, the Apostle John, the beloved Apostle, writes in 1 John 5, 21, Little children, keep yourself from idols. That word keep right there is guard yourself from idols. We are to be on guard against the false teaching in idolatry. 2 Peter 3, 17, the Apostle Peter wrote, You therefore, beloved, Knowing this beforehand, take care. There's that word, guard, that you are not carried away with the error of lawless people and lose your own stability. You notice what Peter just said right there? We need to guard doctrine so that we remain doctrinally faithful. For he does not want us to become unstable in the faith. So as you can see, Paul and John and Peter address the importance of guarding the teaching of Scripture and guarding ourselves against the threats of Satan to the authority of God's Word. Are you an on-guard Christian? Secondly, I want us to look at this question. What is a great threat to being doctrinally faithful? 
We've already seen how Scripture calls us to guard doctrine from the attacks of Satan towards the authority of Scripture. In this part, I want us to think about one of the great threats to being doctrinally faithful. Normally, when we think of threats, we think of attacks from the outside. We routinely look outside the windows of our church to see the big, bad world, to see the threats that they are posing to God's word inside the church. But what if, and just consider this for a moment, what if one of the great threats is not from outside the church? What if one of the great threats to being doctrinally faithful came from inside the church. Now, I bet you are thinking of someone right now in your church who you would consider to be a great threat to the church. Naturally, we all like pointing the finger at someone else. However, one of the greatest threats to doctrinal faithfulness is not someone outside the church or even another person inside the church. Those can happen, but that's not what we're talking about. One of the greatest threats to doctrinal faithfulness is the sinfulness of our own heart. Let's call that pride. Personal pride destroys doctrinal faithfulness. Personal pride destroys doctrinal faithfulness. And we need to consider two portions of Scripture related to this. First, Paul warned Timothy about pride in the congregation where Timothy pastored. Consider what Paul said. Certain persons, by swerving from these, now, the these that Paul's mentioning is back up in verse 5 where he encourages Timothy to have a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. He says certain person by swerving from these have wandered away into vain discussions, desiring to be teachers of the law. That's 1 Timothy 1, 6 and 7. Now through their desire, to be teachers. These church members in Timothy's congregation left their sincere faith. In essence, these church members, due to their pride, ceased to be doctrinally faithful. And the result of their pride was that their faith became shipwrecked. Just go look on your own time at 1 Timothy 1 verses 19 through 20. Now, I have to say, the desire to be a teacher is not a bad aspiration. The pride described in 1 Timothy 1 is not a result of someone wanting to be a Bible teacher. The pride is that the individuals described in 1 Timothy 1 desired to be a teacher without sufficient knowledge. These teachers thought that they knew enough already in order to begin equipping their fellow believers. Their reliance was upon themselves. They thought they had enough knowledge. They thought 
They had something to share. They thought they were ready. And it is, an, it is important for us to guard against the pride of self-importance and self-qualification. If the Lord wants you to be a teacher, here's what you need to do. Study and prepare yourself. And at the appropriate time, God will give you the opportunity if he so desires. Now, there's a second passage that we need to consider about the threat of pride towards being doctrinally faithful. And this passage comes from the actions of the apostle Peter. Paul confronts Peter about his actions with the Judaizers in Galatia. Peter's pride came in the form of fear of man. Peter had an inflated view of himself that led him to be worried about what others would think about him. Paul's confrontation of Peter's pride is recorded for us in Galatians 2, verses 11 through 14. Notice how Paul describes the situation. He says, But when I saw that their conduct was, watch this statement, not in step with the gospel of truth. That's Galatians 2.14. You'll notice that Paul shows how Peter's fear of man and pride resulted in Peter no longer being doctrinally faithful to the truth of the gospel. He was walking not in step with the truth. We find ourselves in similar situations as Peter, don't we? We claim Christianity. We believe in the gospel. But when people come around us who want, who we want their approval, we shrink our Christianity into the shadows and we silence our gospel witness in order to be approved by those people. This kind of hypocrisy is prideful and causes us not to be doctrinally faithful. So, how do we guard against pride? We must guard against the pervasiveness of pride if we are going to remain doctrinally faithful. In order to guard against pride, first, we must be aware of the glorious message of the gospel. Pride is the elevation of self. The gospel teaches the wretchedness of self and the glorious grace of God. When our view of self becomes inflated, it is because our view of God has become deflated. Second, we must battle to take every thought captive. Pride begins in our minds. Scripture teaches that we have a tendency to think too highly of ourselves than we ought. Romans 12, 3. And because of this temptation towards pride, we have to renew our minds daily. Romans 12, 2. And the way that we renew our minds daily is by consciously assuming the position of a sacrifice. Romans 12, 
one. When we lay down upon the altar, we are putting to death our pride. Finally, we can serve one another and expect nothing in return. Being a servant destroys pride. For a servant lives only for the purpose of others. And God has called us to be a servant of him and to serve one another. Therefore, what I want to encourage you to do is look for practical ways to serve someone at your church. Ask your pastor how you can help him and how you can help the other volunteers. Now listen carefully. When you ask your pastor how you can help, he's going to likely give you a task. And here's what I want you to do. When he gives you that task, you need to have already prepared yourself to say yes, no matter what the task is given. Here's what I mean. You go up to your pastor or to one of the volunteers at your church and say, how can I help you? And maybe they look at you and they say, you know what? We are having trouble finding someone to serve in the nursery on Wednesday night. Now, let's just take a time out. Normally, you don't come to church on Wednesday night. Normally, you don't like necessarily being around kids. It's not that you don't like kids, but you you struggle with crying babies. You don't like the sound of it. And your pastor has just given you an opportunity for you to serve. But because you don't go on Wednesday, and because you don't particularly like crying babies, you're going to look at your pastor and you're going to say, is there anything else available? The moment you do that, you are showing forth your pride. Let me encourage you that no matter what task is assigned, have your yes already prepared. See, God's word is clear. We are to guard doctrine so that we can remain doctrinally faithful. God's word is clear. Pride harms doctrinal faithfulness. Therefore, we have an obligation for the sake of our spiritual health and the health of God's people in our church to put to death pride in our lives. Dear friend, in order to be doctrinally faithful, we must be faithful to guard doctrine. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Text Driven Podcast. For more resources like this one, go to our website, www.textdriven.org. And if you're ever in the Southwest Florida area, I'd love to be able to say, welcome home to you at Fellowship Church. The times and locations for our worship services are on our website. You can find those at www.fellowshipchurch.co. Until next time, know that we're praying for you to live a text-driven life. God bless.